Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. Jacksonville's sports scene is on the rise, led by the Jags' big plans and the success of the AAA baseball jumbo shrimp. In this download, Jacksonville Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Tim Gibbons connects with owner Ken Babby. Let's start out going back in time, kind of setting the uh, the background here. So you bought the rubber ducks in Akron, Ohio in 2012, and then you got the shrimp a couple years later. But going even further back in time, baseball was incredibly important to you growing up. Why has baseball been a lifelong passion of yours? You know, I had the incredible privilege of growing up in a sports family. My um, my parents really were always shuttling me and my sister to some kind of athletic activity, games, practices. But I was particularly fortunate in that my father worked in professional sports. He was a general counsel for the Baltimore Orioles for many years. Prior to that, he was general counsel of the Washington Redskins, the football team. And so a lot of experience being at stadiums, at ballparks. Later, his career went on to be a a very successful agent in the NBA, representing players like Tim Duncan and Grant Hill, Shane Battier and others. And and he retired just uh, four or five years ago as the president of the Phoenix Suns. So really fortunate to be growing up around sports in general. But for me, it was always about baseball. And um, and clearly that got into my DNA very, very early in life. With that type of background, I assume that when you became the owner of the rubber ducks and the shrimp, there was lots of stuff that you knew, but you've been in that role for a decade now, a decade plus. What have you learned? What surprised you about the journey over the past decade? I think as a baseball fan, and we're having this conversation in the middle of the summer, and so it's a perfect time to have the conversation. In a baseball fan's mind, I think they appreciate the grind that the players go through in a 162-game season. And while we are certainly not by any means playing in 140 or 160 baseball games, working in the sport, being at the ballpark every night till 11, 11.30, some nights later, being back in the office, the ticketing office opens, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock the next morning, and guys are getting ready for that night's game. We're certainly not out there with the physical regimen of it, although pulling tarp can be certainly brutal. Minor League Baseball, we have no tarp crew, so the tarp crew is the front office. All joking aside, the grind of the season, it's a long season from late March till the end of September. It's a lot of time away from our families, a lot of time that we're out in front of thousands of people every single night to help give others an incredible experience. And um, it's a long year for sure. Talk about that experience. So one of the things that you made your mark in Jacksonville, what were the sons at the time had a long history and were embedded in the community. And you came in, you invested in the team, you invested in the facility. And I know this is part of the marketing that you have of that idea that it's a cheap Saturday afternoon, you know, take the family is not going to break the bank. In Akron, you, you know, I know the, the, the restaurant there was a hit. Talk kind of about that investment in both the money that you put into it, but just kind of the mindset of having a minor league baseball game be a an affordable family sort of thing. Yeah, you know, it's a great point. We And I'm always careful to say this. We didn't bring minor league baseball to Jacksonville. We certainly didn't invent minor league baseball in Northeast Florida. But I think, you know, we're really proud of the work that we've done to rejuvenate the experience for fans that come down to one-to-one financial ballpark. And that experience, you know, really starts with setting a price point 
that makes the ballpark welcoming for everybody, regardless of your your socioeconomic background, your makeup, your welcome into the ballpark. And so, you know, we promised at that very first press conference, geez, nearly seven years ago, that you'd always be able to get into the ballpark for $5 and have upheld that commitment and will uh, as we've promised, because we think it's really important to create a value proposition that works for everybody. Uh, we also claim to have hot dogs at $2 every single game. And I always joke with groups as I'm out in the community, that includes the bun and the condiments, right? <laughs> and so, so a lot of great offerings in the ballpark that meet the price point for the experience, but you're right, it's affordable. Uh, a family of four can come out and enjoy a great night at the ballpark, enjoy a giveaway. We do great giveaways every Saturday and have a great experience and do it all at a very affordable price. And we're very proud of that. You also have in the minor league baseball tradition, a lot of uh, the theme nights are uh, showing a huge amount of creativity. How do you go yeah. about doing that? Do you sit down at the beginning of the season and come up with a list? I'm thinking of the, you know, what is it? The, uh, I want you to want me, the, the outstanding warrant night. How do you come up with that stuff? Well, first of all, the first thing we do wisely is they get me as the owner out of the room because I think that just probably um, that probably slows everybody's creative thinking down. And I give great credit in Jacksonville to David Ratz and, and Noel Blaha and the guys that are really the genesis of a lot of these ideas. But the truth be told, we have weekly promotions meetings. We're like any other company all through the fall and the winter. We've got 70 of these baseball games to fill to come up with ideas. Now, the ones that don't make the cut to me are sometimes the more interesting ones. But then you take your best ideas and you put them on your biggest night and where we can complement that with a great giveaway like the jumbo shrimp actually in the shape of a shrimp neck pillow, travel neck pillow and other great giveaways are bowling shirts or Hawaiian shirts or koozies for beer uh, at the beach or beach bags. I mean, these are all just ideas that have come from those brainstorm discussions. And so the staff gets a chance. doesn't matter if you're the head groundskeeper or you're on the ticketing team or you help answer the phones in the ticket office. You have a voice in that promotions discussion. And to me, that is one of the great entrepreneurial things about minor league baseball is that that entrepreneurial spirit is available to everybody. And we do the same in Akron. And so it's a great experience for our staff uh, to be able to play a role in bringing a night to life. And as I said, the best thing they do is they get me the heck out of the room because I would probably find a way to say no to some of these. People do love those uh, those shrimp pillows. That, uh... <laughs> they do. Just the, uh, the look on your face when you said some of the ones that don't make it to the uh, to the stadium. Do you have a favorite one that uh, either you or somebody else shot down? Nothing that our lawyers would let me mention on this wonderful podcast. Let me tell you that. Now, you know, I mean, there's always this line between we have core values as an organization and that we're not going to go out and blatantly hurt anybody in what we do. And so we would never want to cross that line, certainly never do anything that's going to be deeply offensive to anyone, but we like to have fun. And so we like to get right up to that line without crossing it. And I think our team does a really good job of that. And and again, you know, some of those ideas may end up popping up in the future, depending on, you know, current events or world events, et cetera. You know, one of the my favorites, um, this we did do, so doesn't directly answer your questions, but one of my favorites is we did a Main Street bridge giveaway it was a couple of years back. And uh, I live over on the South Bank and um, 
Uh, my favorite part of the Main Street Bridge giveaway is that the bridge is broken in the actual bobblehead. There's cones going across the middle of it. Because how many times have we all been stuck on that bridge trying to get to a meeting downtown where it seems like you're always late trying to get to a meeting? So just little fun things like that along the way where we poke fun at things that people in Jacksonville know and experience. And um, that was one of our more popular ones. Well, with a, uh, a it was like a school group uh, years ago to a uh, there, there there was a monkeys riding riding dogs and yeah. uh, seeing that through the eyes of an eight year old like the kid that was the, the coolest thing he'd ever seen. That's uh, right. You know. That's right. Yeah, and and you know to be able to complement that, uh, Tim, with with AAA caliber baseball now for me the the entertainment experience kind of the value proposition of that experience the fun, the promotions, the food, all, all that everybody knows minor league baseball to be. But now to do that with a lineup of players in the Marlins, one of the best farm systems in baseball, and you know half our roster has spent some time on the 40-man major league roster in the last couple of years. So gone are the days of just seeing lower-level guys that may never make it. This is AAA baseball. Many of these guys have significant service time in the major leagues or will, and so to me, that just adds to the experience for being down at the ballpark. So one of the challenges that on the baseball side of things that perhaps you've faced is the, the collective bargaining agreement that changed the pay rates for minor league players. Has that affected you? And you talk about the, the $5 ticket price. I mean, obviously that ramps up your expenses. How do you handle that? So kind of going back a little ways, right in the middle of the pandemic, actually, in, in 2020, Major League Baseball leaned in and took a more active role in its administration of minor league baseball. We used to have, you know, in the old days, 160 minor league teams, and we were run by an association that had an agreement with Major League Baseball, of course, to to provide players from each of the, the 30 major league affiliates. But Major League Baseball looked at a number of these minor league facilities, looked at the amount of money, frankly, that um, major league players, major league teams were investing into their player development and farm systems. And there were cities across the country. Fortunately, Jacksonville, Akron, never even in the discussion for this, but they looked at a lot of these facilities that just were not adequate to house, you know, prospective minor league baseball players. And um, they actually cut and contracted uh, 40 teams nationally across the country to take our system down to 120 teams. They leaned in and played a very active role, Major League Baseball did, to create a, a rubric of facility health and wellness standards for players. Clubhouses needed to be a certain specification and travel and, and all the different things that you would expect um, Major League Baseball to care about relative to their players. And in that process, minor league teams, us, uh, signed a license agreement, a 10-year license agreement that included adhering to all those facility standards and player health and wellness standards. And so when the CBA came up between major league owners and the players, that rubric had already really been done. So the, the work, if you will, on our standpoint to adhere to these new standards was already in motion ahead of that collective bargaining discussion. And, and the process dovetailed pretty well there. There's still some things between players and Major League Baseball that will always be uh, contentious. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a better outcome for the players. It's a better outcome for us and a better outcome for the league. And, and we want their experience in the ballpark to be as good as our fans experience every night. Ken Babby joining us. Next, will the Jumbo Shrimps Park host the Jaguars? When Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. 
committed to being a leader in Florida's economic growth and to delivering clean and efficient natural gas solutions in a responsible way. More at floridasenergy.com. You talk about uh, the facilities and this is broadening out a little bit. Um, The big sports business story in town right now is the the Jaguars plans to to renovate their stadium. The one-to-one financial ballpark has been mooted as one of the potential places the Jaguars could play if they stayed here where the stadium was being renovated. Obviously, there's other bigger facilities in Orlando and Gainesville and Daytona that have also been been brought up. Do you see it at all likely that the Jaguars might play at one-to-one financial? We had conversations with the Jaguars over recent weeks and months about it, and I I just don't see it as a suitable uh, option. Um, you know, we're happy to continue those conversations. The reality is, and I think the Jaguars have done a, a wonderful job of showcasing, you know, what the future will bring, and we're really excited about that. And by the way, if we can play a role in helping with that transition, we're we're thrilled to and happy to. The reality is, and you know, Mark Lamping has said this publicly, uh, the NFL requires such substantial infrastructure for their locker rooms and their media and their health standards. We just talked about baseball's health standards for a AAA team. Imagine it for, you know, 50 plus NFL players, really over 100 if you include home and away. Um, You know, the investment to bring that kind of infrastructure into our building and to expand seating and media capabilities, et cetera. Then, by the way, to convert it all back to baseball and then to football again, it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars that that the city would have to, to, to contribute just for a temporary location. So I think there are other options that are probably better fit. We talk to the Jaguars often and and perhaps there are some ways that we can help them in other ways. But I think the likelihood of Jags games being played at one to one financial ballparks probably pretty, pretty limited. That seems to fit with with other people I've been talking to, but it's good to actually hear it from somebody who knows way more about that facility than I do. Just because I'm curious when you mentioned other sports there, the Jacksonville Armada played there in the past. They're in the process of talking about building their own stadium. The potential Jacks USL team is looking around for a stadium. Do you see soccer ever coming back to -to one-to-one financial? We're big soccer fans as, a, as an organization. We've got a number of folks in our front office that keep really close with the leadership on a number of the teams that you just mentioned. And I don't see our building being used for soccer, to be totally frank. Um, it wasn't a great fan experience for soccer. It was also incredibly expensive to convert the field to soccer, then back to baseball, then back to soccer. It's hard for me to imagine we would ever end up in an arrangement like that again. But we're big proponents of wanting to see a soccer facility built, whether it be downtown in the sports complex. Obviously, the St. John's group is looking elsewhere. So we think, look, any movement of growth of sports in Jacksonville is great for all of us. And we're really supportive of that. But I, I can't imagine a dynamic by which soccer ends up back at our ballpark again. But you never know. In talking, last question on this, and in talking about the the Jaguars' plans, obviously, I mean, you're hop skipping a jump away from what will soon be back to being called uh, Everbank Field. Um, right. You know, assuming that this vision, in some sense, comes to be, what's going to be the impact on you guys? Of you talk about the the sports district, it would truly be a sports district. Then, what do you see the impact being on the uh, on the Trump? Uh, it, look, it's going to be it's going to be incredible. I mean, if you look. 
at some of these plans that the Jaguars put out. And of course you lay in the Four Seasons Hotel and, and you know, rumblings of a uh, University of Florida campus potentially being in downtown. I mean, there are a lot of reasons to be excited to be in Jacksonville right now. And there are a lot of reasons to be excited to be downtown right now. I will also say we've been in a city that for many years has talked big ideas and dreamed big ideas, but hasn't actioned those items. And so I think now is our opportunity to lean forward. In fact, we're we're doing our part in those conversations as uh, as you referenced earlier, the ballpark received a substantial amount of public funding to to do a lot of the work that I talked about relative to major league uh, standards and improved fan experience. That work will begin over the course of the next couple of years as well. So there's going to be a lot of construction in the sports complex. But as I always tell folks, you know, it's worth enduring a little bit of that a little bit of that annoyance to be able to have a better experience. And I can tell you the work that we're planning at the ballpark is really going to be exciting. So when you add that to what the Jaguars are doing, the Four Seasons Project, a lot of the other work in downtown, it's a really exciting time to be in Northeast Florida right now. I love seeing cranes on the skyline. It, yeah. uh, it's yeah. an exciting, exciting time. As we wrap this up, kind of stepping back, taking a, a big picture look, and I, I have two actually kind of different areas there that I was curious on your thoughts on. One, just diving deep into baseball. So obviously major leagues have adopted the the pitch clock, which years of experience with when that was, was in the minor leagues. How do you think that will play out? Do you think that's a good thing for the game? Oh, I think it's fabulous. And I think we're already seeing in the first half of this major league season the impact it's having on game times, game speed. I have a 15-year-old son, and as he was growing up in these games, you know, we're at 7 o'clock at night, you know, he can't stay up all hours of the night, especially on a school night, to be able to enjoy the game. And forget the West Coast games, right? So he he loves to watch Shohei Otani. You know, those games start at 10 o'clock at night on the East Coast. There's, you know, maybe in the summer he stays up a little later and watches them. But, but ultimately, that's an experience that – baseball's had to sort of grapple with for a while, which is the game speed has become longer and longer and longer. And in the minor leagues, as you referenced, we tried out the pitch clock. Now it's been two years and we saw, you know, roughly 30, 34 minutes on average being shaved off of the total game time. And so the question to me when this came to the major leagues was going to be, it will only work if it's truly enforced. And it has, right? Because you you can have whatever rules you want, but if the umpires aren't enforcing them, you might as well not have them at all. And and I think players have reported, I just saw an interview with the commissioner over the weekend, uh, have players have reported that, they, that they've enjoyed the, the faster speed, the pace of the game has lent itself to sort of a, a more exciting experience. We're seeing more action, more stolen bases, the balls in play more. I think getting rid of the shift had a lot to do with that as well. So if you're a baseball fan and you're coming out to the ballpark, not just here in Jacksonville, but anywhere in the country, you're seeing a a more vibrant, exciting experience. And that's how we're going to get kids more attracted to the game into the future. And so to me, as a, a guy that cares a lot about the future of baseball, that's really exciting. It really is. I remember going to, to games with my grandfather as a kid and it, uh, you know, having that next generation, they need to be able to stay up late enough. They, they need to be able to watch a game that doesn't go past their bedtime. They need to be able to you know, have that experience where they can actually, you know, be part of the fandom. Um, That's right. It, uh, it's fun. Uh, and then, then my last question in, in kind of looking to that future, and you kind of alluded to it with the the growth of sports on the First Coast. Jacksonville has, you know, hit this million person population kind of milestone. There is a sense of momentum in, in economic development in the city. As you look both in sports and in general at Jacksonville, where do you see it going? Well, what are you looking forward to in the next decade? 
I'd love to tell you seven, eight years ago when we invested and bought this team that we saw all of this and could point to my whiteboard of how fast the city was going to grow and and how exciting this would all be. I mean, we love Jacksonville. We loved what was happening, but I could have never imagined the trajectory of growth for both the business community, but also folks from the Northeast. And I think the pandemic had a lot to do with it that just made the decision to come down to Florida, to come down to Jacksonville, be part of our community. It's really exciting. You know, I sit on the board of the chamber and we, you know, the job growth that's occurring and is going to continue to occur, the companies that have decided to pick up their headquarters from other cities and chose to join this journey, this Jacksonville experience, the new leadership we're going to have in City Hall is exciting. So it's a really exciting time to be here. If we can just sometimes get out of our own way, this JAGS project's a great example of it. Let's lean forward and invest in ourselves. Let's invest not only in our community, but but in the city for the future, for our kids' future. And I understand sometimes you see big numbers be thrown out there and your publication and others that sometimes can be daunting on folks. But to be a truly great American city, we've got to invest in ourselves. And I think it's time to stop talking about big ideas and activating those. And um, I, for one, am, am really proud to be here, to be a part of this community. And we're going to do our part and want to continue to see Jacksonville continue to grow for decades to come. Awesome. Well, that is a uh, great way to wrap this up. I really do appreciate the time. How far do you see the team going this year? We'll see. It's going to come down to our pitching. Our pitching is young. The team is young. Uh, and so as we close out the first half of the season, I'm hoping for a much stronger second half from our starters and our bullpen. But again, the Marlins have such a young, promising farm team. Our job is to get these guys through Jacksonville and up to the major leagues as quickly as possible. Thanks again for your time. I really do appreciate it. Appreciate it. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp owner Ken Babby joining us. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida and brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy.